Amen. Good morning, Kavanaugh. How are you? Is everybody good? Oh, seven of you are. That is fantastic. Well, glad that you're here today. My wife gave me specific instructions not to say a single word about the uh, Texas-Oklahoma game yesterday. So, you know what? I'm not going to say a single word about the Texas-Oklahoma game yesterday. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to uh, Matthew chapter 6, all right? We're going to be in Matthew chapter 6 today, and I'm going to talk about the kingdom's king. Uh, Matthew chapter 6 is, is not only Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, but it's also the Lord's Prayer. And I'm going to start a new series today that I've entitled, Your Kingdom Come, or Kingdom Come. Uh, you might recognize that. Uh, it's a phrase that is found right here in Jesus' model prayer in Matthew chapter 6. As I read the prayer again this past week, I noticed how the kingdom of God is in the heart of Jesus Christ. As he teaches us to pray, he wants us to pray that God's kingdom come, that the kingdom come. In fact, the kingdom was the very foundation of Jesus' ministry. The kingdom was important to Jesus. And if it's important to Jesus, guess what? It needs to be important to us as well. And so this past week, my mind has just been, I'll tell you what, I've just been blown away. The word kingdom is found 150 times in the gospel. And Jesus is constantly referring to the kingdom of God. And right here, he teaches us how to pray concerning God's kingdom. So we're in Matthew chapter 6. Uh, in verse number 9, he starts this. Would you, hey, would y'all just read this out loud with me, okay? It's the, the model prayer. We're reading it out of the New King James. So y'all just read along with me out loud. In this manner, therefore, pray, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Now, like many of you, I have read that prayer dozens of times, and beyond that, I have prayed that prayer thousands of times, but I'm not really sure that I always knew what I was praying when I asked God for His kingdom to come. I'm not sure that I completely understood what I was saying when I prayed, yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Can you tell how consumed Jesus is about the kingdom of God? But you know what? It goes on, even in his Sermon on the Mount. If we were to look down into chapter 6 later on, Jesus is talking about all the things in life that consume us and cause us to worry. So, do you ever worry? Raise your hand. Come on. Raise your hand if you've worried this past week about anything. All right. The rest of you are either asleep or you're lying through your teeth, all right? Because we're consumed with, we live in a world of worry. And Jesus is teaching us about why we should not worry at the end of chapter 6. And this is what he says in verse 33. He says, but seek first 
the kingdom of God. Put the kingdom of God first in your life and his righteousness. And all these things that we worry about, God is going to take care of them. God is going to supply your need. God is going to give you the things that you need if you are seeking what? His kingdom first in your life. Wow. The kingdom's important, is it not? We are to pray, your kingdom come. Well, let's pray about that, and then we're going to learn about what it means to pray for God's kingdom to come. Heavenly Father, I pray right now you would fill this room with your Holy Spirit. Lord, I know that, that you're here because we've come together in your name to worship you. I know that you're here because we have sang songs of praise to you. I know that you're here because we've read your word and you are in the word of God. I know that you're here because you live in the hearts of every believer present in this room. So, Lord, we know you're here. We just pray that you'd have your way, Lord, that you would move amongst us, that you'd speak to us through the word and by the Holy Spirit. And, Lord, as I try to teach on the outside, I pray that your Holy Spirit would teach us in our heart and our mind about the kingdom of God. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Way back in the 1930s, there was a tremendously gifted artist and cartoonist who became intrigued with this little mouse character that he and some other cartoonists had created. He started building comic strips around this little mouse, and before long, he had the idea to turn the mouse into a movie cartoon. And the little mouse was an instant hit, a great success. And because of that, this artist formed a studio to produce more cartoons about this little mouse who was called Mickey Mouse. And the artist himself was none other than Walt Disney. But I'm here to tell you, Walt Disney was more than just an artist or a cartoonist. The man was a visionary. Disney had a dream to create a place where families could go and just have some good, clean fun. In those days, amusement parks uh, were really not very family-friendly. In fact, most of them were pretty seedy places that you wouldn't want to take your kids to. But Walt Disney dreamed of a better place. He dreamed of a happy place where families could go and they could escape the realities of life and just for a few hours have a good time. So he poured every bit of his money, his time, and his energy into transforming 160 acres next to a busy freeway in Los Angeles into Disneyland, otherwise known as the Magic Kingdom. And did you know that when the Magic Kingdom first opened in 1955, that 20,000 people swarmed the park? Last year, all the Disney parks around the world had a combined attendance of over 140 million visitors. And if you've ever been to Disney World or Disneyland, I guarantee you, you thought that all 140 million of them were there with you, uh, didn't you? From the beginning, Disney adopted a slogan for his park, the happiest place on earth. 
And they do a really good job of making you feel that way. Every park employee smiles and, and greets you with a, with a friendly handshake. Uh, all the little girls are made to feel like princesses. The little boys are made to feel like Jedi Knights. And even the adults, if we can just get past all the money that we're shelling out, <laughs> get this feeling that we've stepped back into a simpler, happier time. And that's what it's supposed to be. But of course, you can't live in the magic kingdom, can you? I mean, we can go there and we can visit the magic kingdom and we can have a good time at the magic kingdom but sooner or later, we're going to have to leave Magic Kingdom and come back home to Tragic Kingdom. Because that's where most of us live. We live in a tragic world. We live in a place where bad things are happening all around us. And we're surrounded by all kinds of unhappiness. But you know what? Hopefully, somewhere along the way, you have heard the good news about Jesus Christ, that, that he has a, a way of life for you. And it is not a magic kingdom that numbs us to the reality of life. No, Jesus invites us into God's majestic kingdom. It is the source of real happiness that this world doesn't even know about, nor can it take away from you. We're going to spend the next few weeks wrestling with, with what it means to pray for and desire what Jesus taught that we should pray for and desire. And that is for God's kingdom to come. Again, Jesus taught us to pray in this way. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. We're going to see that we can either obsess ourselves with the quest of the magic kingdom of pleasure and food and fashion and possessions, or we can possess ourselves with our Father's majestic kingdom and His righteousness, that when we have that in our life, you know what? It's going to take care of all the other things that we need in life. We're going to see that this kingdom has already come. That it's coming, <laughs> even as we're sitting here today, and that one day it will finally come in its complete form. When Jesus first started his ministry, this is what Jesus said himself. These words came out of his mouth in Mark chapter 1, verse 15. Jesus said, the time has come. The kingdom of God is at hand. So you need to repent and believe in the good news. That was Jesus' very first message. He said, the time has come. The kingdom of God is at hand. And what you need to do is repent and believe. So that tells me that for me to get into the kingdom of God, which is heaven, I can't keep going the way that I've been going because I'm headed down the wrong path. I need to do something. And what does Jesus say that we need to do? We need to repent. We need to turn our lives around. You can only do that through faith in Jesus Christ. So we repent, we turn our lives around, and we start walking in God's majestic kingdom following the will of God for our lives. Hmm. 
I've got to do a quick time out before I get any further here. And I need to tell you that there is another kingdom that exists in our universe. Long ago in eternity past, there was a rebellion of the angels in heaven. It was led by a, a, an archangel, an angel that we believe that perhaps was even in charge of worship in heaven. We know him by his name given in the Bible, Satan. Satan's objective somewhere in eternity past, when he was giving praise to God, was for himself to receive that praise that all of heaven was giving God. He wanted God's position. He wanted the throne of God. And so he started a rebellion in heaven. The Bible tells us that God kicked the devil out of heaven and one-third of the angels were involved in this revolution and they also were kicked out of heaven. And then we learn in Genesis chapter 3 that the devil himself took the form of a serpent and he deceived Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden and enticed them to do what he had done. And that is to rebel against the authority of God. And so at that point, Genesis chapter 3, the devil, Satan himself, established his own kingdom. And we know of it as the kingdom of darkness. And that kingdom of darkness opposes God's rule every second of every day. And he opposes the kingdom of light in every square inch of our universe. So there's God's kingdom. We call it the kingdom of light. There's Satan's kingdom. It is known as the kingdom of darkness. And here's the deal. I'm either part of one kingdom or I am part of the other kingdom. There is no middle ground here, church. You can't straddle the fence when it comes to being in one kingdom or another kingdom. By my words and actions and thoughts and choices... I am either advancing God's kingdom or I am advancing the devil's kingdom. I am participating in one kingdom or I am participating in the other kingdom. And when it comes to these two kingdoms, there is no spiritually insignificant moments in my life. They all matter. Every second matters. Why? Because there is a spiritual battle going on in our universe. The kingdom of darkness versus the kingdom of light. You need to see that these two are opposed to one another. And you are in one or the other camp. You are supporting one kingdom or you are supporting the other kingdom. And at the very heart, the kingdom has a king. Every kingdom has a king. And this morning we're going to talk about the kingdom's king. The king of the heavenly kingdom, the king of the kingdom of light, is an eternal king. And his kingdom has no beginning, nor does it have any end. In fact, let me talk about his kingdom. First of all, let's talk about his eternal kingdom. Psalm 145 verse 13 says... Your kingdom, O Lord, is an everlasting kingdom. Our Father in heaven didn't just decide to be a king one day. <laughs> Did you get that? 
Hello, anybody? We out there? I'll just, I'm going to do another little quick timeout. This is a pretty, pretty deep message today, all right? Uh, it's, it, we're going to get into some high water, some deep water. Okay, you're going to have to think. But that doesn't mean you turn off your brain when you think, all right? Nor your ears. I want you to listen to what I'm saying. God didn't just decide to be a king one day. I was tossing a ball up for you to hit right there. Would you say, God didn't just decide to be a king one day. He's always been king. Before the world came into existence, God was. God's always been king. And because he is king of the universe, he is unrivaled in his power and in his glory. His kingdom can never be destroyed or taken away, or defiled. He is king everlasting, and he is king eternal. And within this eternal kingdom that God established before the foundations of the world were even established, number two, God has established his spiritual kingdom. I want you to look at a verse in 2 Kings chapter 19, I believe it's verse number 15. 2 Kings 19, 15. O Lord, God of... Okay, O Lord, God of Israel, you alone are God over all the kingdoms of the earth. You have made, what? Both heaven and earth. Now, all, out of all the nations of the kingdoms of this world, God chose one nation in history that he was going to display his spiritual kingdom in. In the Old Testament, we see how God chose Israel, the tiny little nation of Israel, insignificant little nation of Israel. He chose Israel to be his people, the people who were going to live holy lives before him. And God gave them human kings to rule over them. One of such was King David. A great king, a mighty king. God made a promise that out of King David, he was going to bring another king, a supreme king. You see, the eternal king God desired that his spiritual kingdom would encompass more people than just the nation of Israel. He wanted people in his kingdom out of every nation and every tribe and every kindred of people on planet earth. So the eternal king had in mind a greater king than King David. And we read the Old Testament prophecies about this coming Messiah King who would be the Savior, not just of Israel, but he would be the Savior of the world. And so the God who is eternal and invisible and unseen King of the universe some 2,000 years ago became visible in the human form of his Son, Jesus Christ. This is what we call the incarnation. Jesus is the incarnation of God and the kingdom of God. That little baby that was born in Bethlehem's manger was King Jesus. And Jesus puts on display for us what the kingdom of God looks like in human body. 
the kingdom of God looks like Jesus. In fact, Jesus began his earthly ministry in Matthew chapter 4, verse 17, with again these words, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. His first message, repent, the kingdom of God is near. So with the coming of Jesus, the kingdom of God is near. It is present. It's here. And get this, King Jesus has come to reclaim. He has come to reclaim. Let me get your attention. King Jesus has come to planet Earth to reclaim the territory that was stolen, stolen by Satan to develop the kingdom of darkness. You see, through the ages, Satan continues to capture slaves for his dark kingdom. In fact, the Bible tells us that this entire world, the whole world, is in the grip of the evil one. It's as if the devil, in his kingdom of darkness, has all of us around the throat with his hands. He's got us in his grip. He has the world in his grip. And King Jesus came to save people out of the kingdom of darkness. I'm I'm pitching up another ball for you to hit right there. King Jesus came to save people out of the kingdom of darkness. Amen? One day Jesus walked into a synagogue in his own hometown. In fact, last last Sunday in my Roundup Day message, I I referred to this uh, passage in Luke's Gospel chapter 4. Jesus went to his hometown and... As his custom was. Remember that? Remember me saying that? It was Jesus' custom to go to church. I mean, remember what I said last week? If, any, if anybody had a right not to go to church, it was Jesus. I mean, what were they going to teach Jesus that he didn't already know? You know? Among other things, people didn't like him there. But he went to church. It was his custom to go to church. And he went into the synagogue in his hometown, Nazareth, and they gave him the Old Testament scroll. And he opened up the Old Testament scroll to a passage found in Isaiah chapter 61. And this is what Jesus said. In fact, I think we have it on the screen for us. Here's what Jesus said in that synagogue in Nazareth. It's coming. Let me just read it. He said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And the Bible tells us that after Jesus read this Old Testament prophecy from Isaiah chapter 61, that he laid the scroll aside. He put the book down and he announced, I am here to tell you that prophecy is fulfilled in your midst today because I am he who has come. That's why Jesus came, to preach the gospel, the good news. So in Jesus Christ, the eternal, universal, invisible king became visible. And he became personal in the human body of Jesus Christ. And Jesus tells us why he came. He came to release the captives of darkness. 
to set them free. Now, what did Jesus have to do before he could set the captives free? Well, he had to go to the cross. (laughs) He had to give his life as a ransom for many. And as his blood was shed on Calvary's cross, our sins can be forgiven. They buried Jesus in a tomb, but he didn't stay there. Three days later, he rose again. And he rose again to transform those who are in the kingdom of darkness into people of light. And that happens every time someone is born again. In fact, that's what Jesus meant when he told his disciples in Luke 17, 21. The kingdom of God is in you. So you're putting together what I'm laying out here. You're picking up what I'm putting down. His spiritual kingdom. God sent Jesus to establish a spiritual kingdom. Jesus said, I am he who is the kingdom of God. I am he who will fulfill God's kingdom. And he accomplished that through salvation. So that whenever a person believes in Jesus Christ, the kingdom of God moves into their life. Where is this spiritual kingdom? Well, it's inside of you. You are the kingdom of God. Jesus came to establish a spiritual kingdom that encompasses people out of every earthly kingdom. The rule of God exists in the hearts of people who submit to the authority of Jesus Christ. The kingdom of God comes, that is, it expands every time an unbeliever believes. Every time a person is saved, when their sins are forgiven and they are transformed, the kingdom of God grows. It expands. What is surprising for most of us modern church-going people is for us to discover that, you know what, the kingdom of God is bigger than us. (laughs) You know? I mean, it really is. It's bigger than me. Guess what? One of these days, I'm going to die. And I hate to tell you this, you are too. We're all going to die. But you know what? The kingdom of God is going to go on, even without us. And my purpose in life, get this, please. This is where my heart is. My purpose in life is not to try to save my life. No, my purpose in life is for me to lose my life for the sake of the gospel and of the kingdom of God. That's what Jesus meant when he said, you must deny yourself. You must take up your cross and follow me. And only what I have done for the glory of God and the advancement of the kingdom of God is going to remain after I am dead and gone. And the same thing is true about local churches. The the goal of a local church, the, the, the goal of Kavanaugh Church is not to be known as a cool church or even known as a great church in the denomination. No, the goal of any church is for it to lose itself in the expansion of the kingdom of God. So that everything we do is kingdom focused. 
We're not here to try to save our church or save our lives. Our purpose as individual believers and as a church is to figure out how we can lose our lives so that the kingdom of God and the gospel can grow beyond our city and beyond our country. That's hard, isn't it? That's difficult. Jesus put it like this. And, and Jesus, Jesus, Jesus didn't throw curveballs, man. He, he, he threw straight fastballs. He said in Luke chapter 18, verse 29, No one who has left home or wife or brothers or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God will fail to receive many times as much in this age and in the age to come, which is eternal life. You see, church, the followers of King Jesus are people who make sacrifices. They are people who make sacrifices. They are people who are willing to sacrifice anything so that the kingdom of God can expand. And and, and if there is anything in your life right now that you are not willing to give up so that the kingdom of God can expand and grow, that thing has become an idol in your life. It's something between you and God. You know what? God wants to move you beyond that today. He wants you to be a kingdom-minded person. And for us to be kingdom-minded, we we need to realize that, you know what? Okay, it's, it's... Hey, it's fun to go to Magic Kingdom. It's, it's okay to have fun. I mean, I love to have fun. I, I, I just really, I was having fun yesterday afternoon watching a football game that I can't talk about. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I love to have, I, I love to go out and shoot my guns, cowboy action. I, I love to have fun. I, I like things, you know? I do, I like things. And I want you to enjoy life. But you know what? None of these things are really important when it comes to kingdom work. And guys, we should be willing to give up anything that God tells us so that the kingdom of God can grow and advance. That means that there is no cost that is so great that we shouldn't be willing to pay it so that the kingdom of God can grow. People look at my finances, and, and, and I'm not bragging at all here. I'm just making a point. And what I give to the church and what I give to God's kingdom, for some people, that is, that is just ridiculous. Why would you throw your money away? Why would you give all that money to, to, to the church or to God? Well, you know what? I don't look at it like that. I am making eternal investments. And I may not see the dividends of those investments even in my lifetime, but I guarantee you one day I will see the dividends of those investments when I get to heaven. And so church, I'm telling you, there is no sacrifice that is so great that we shouldn't be willing to make it so that the kingdom of God can grow. God is all about his spiritual kingdom. He wants to save lives that are captive in the darkness of the devil's grip. And God is willing to do anything so that people can be set free. That's why he sent Jesus. 
So when we pray your kingdom come, that means that we're jumping out there with the Lord. We're, we're getting in the water, <laughs> and we're saying, Lord, use me for that to happen. The last kingdom I want to talk about is not only the eternal kingdom and the spiritual kingdom, but let me finish by talking to you about God's visible kingdom. The kingdom of God is here and now. It's, it's in our heart, right? It's the spiritual kingdom. But it's also the there and then. In one sense, the kingdom is now. And yet, it is also not yet. For right now, the kingdom of God is invisible. Where is the kingdom of God? It's in your heart. Do you get that? It's in your heart. God's kingdom is inside of you. It's invisible. I hate to use the word secret, but I mean, it's kind of, it is kind of secret. It's, it's inside of you. It, it's not visible. But you know what? One day, it will become visible. One day, it's not going to be secret anymore. After the resurrection of Jesus, he ascended back to the right hand of the throne of God. Meanwhile, his spirit, the kingdom of God is on planet earth and it is expanding as one person after another comes under the rule and reign of King Jesus. Right now, that kingdom is a secret kingdom in your heart. But one day, the Bible says, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. One day, Christ will come again and he's going to take us to a new home. And we will visibly see our king. And we will visibly be a part of the kingdom of God. Now, what is amazing is what Peter says about this. Second Peter chapter 1. Here it is. So, dear brothers and sisters, work hard. Hang on to those two. Work hard to prove that you really are among those who God has called and chosen. A couple of things about that, and I'm going to go on. He tells us to work. It's something you've got to work hard at doing. Did you know it takes a lot of hard work to be a godly person? It takes hardly any work to do what is wrong. I mean, really, you don't have to teach a little kid to be bad. It comes natural to us. Why? Because we live in a dark world. And Peter is saying here, Listen, believers, you've got to work hard to prove that you are chosen, that you are called. It takes hard work. Do these things and you will never fall away. Well, that's a good free will Baptist verse, is it not? That presumes that you can fall away. And people do fall away. I know of people right now that are backslidden. They're away from God. I know people who I believe have apostatized. They have given up their faith. Peter is saying right here, you know what? If you work hard at living a godly life, you don't even have to worry about falling away. So don't come to me talking about eternal security and perseverance of the saints because, brother, I got it. I know I'm saved. I know I'm going to heaven. Why? Because I'm working hard to live the life. All that's free. I'm just giving you that free. That's not part of why I read that verse. First service, people laughed at that. Second, y'all are too serious right now. Okay? Here's what I want to get to. The word then. Then, God will give you 
a grand entrance into the eternal what? Kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You know what Peter is talking about there? He's talking about our forever home. He's talking about our new heaven and our new earth that will be the final, full-on, visible expression of the eternal, universal, spiritual kingdom of God. And church, that is our hope. That's what we're living for. We go through this life of trials and and heartaches and hardships. There is spiritual darkness all around us. We witness the terrible display of evil and wickedness in our world every day. And even right here in our own city. And you know what? We get this gut feeling that it shouldn't be this way. Good godly people should not be murdered That hit home close to us this past month. That kind of junk ought not to be going on. But you know what? It is that way because we are living in a dark world. And the devil has his grip on planet earth. But yet for those of us who are born again believers in Jesus Christ, we know this world is not our home. We know there's a better place. We know that there is a final kingdom and that King Jesus is going to bring us there one day. He makes everything new. So my word of encouragement for you today, church, is this. Let's not try to escape to some magic kingdom of our own making. No, not at all. Let's step into God's majestic kingdom and let us daily pray. Your kingdom come. So how can we do that today? What's our application? Three things. Number one, we need to be praying every day that God's kingdom grow. I think that in part is what Jesus meant when he said, when you pray, pray like this, your kingdom come. Talking about the spiritual kingdom. That the kingdom of God grow. That means we need a burden for lost people to be saved. We need to be praying every day, Lord, save lost people. You need to come to the stark realization that there are people in your own perhaps home or in your own family or people you work with every day or people who live up and down the street from you who are lost. They are without hope. They are without Christ. And the reality is if they were to die today or if Jesus came back today, they would be eternally condemned to hell. You know what? If that doesn't tear us up, something's wrong with us. Maybe we need to start praying, Lord, get a hold of my heart. Help me to see people as you see people, Lord. Give me a passion for your kingdom to come and your kingdom to grow. The second point I want to make in closing is that you not only pray for the kingdom to grow, you pray that God use me to do my part in the kingdom. If I'm praying, your kingdom come, and I know God wants to save people, then you know what? I've got to be willing to be used. I've got to say, Lord, use me. Yeah? And get serious about that. I I told first service people, it's, it's kind of amazing how God does this sometimes. I think more than anything, God just wants us to be willing. 
God wants us to come down here and just kind of have this experience where we say, okay, Lord, whatever you want me to say, I'll say it. Wherever you want me to go, I'll go. Whatever you want me to do, I'll do. I'm just laying my life on the altar. I want to be used by you. So, Lord, tomorrow or today, this afternoon, bring people into my life that I can share the good news with. And then you're just available. You're willing to be used. You not only look for opportunities and plan events and, and, and take people out to dinner or, or go over and visit someone with the purpose of sharing with them the good news of the gospel, you're, you're just open all the time. 24 hours a day, seven days a week, you wake up in the morning and say, okay, God, who's next? <laughs> I mean, what is the next assignment in your divine mission? Who do I get to talk to today, God? You open the door. I'm willing to be used. So we pray your kingdom grow. We pray, dear Lord, let me do my part. And then we just pray, Lord, here it is. Your kingdom come. I tell you what, I can can get on my knees right now and I can honestly pray that. Lord, I am so ready to get out of this dark, defiled, sinful world. Your kingdom come. Your kingdom come. We, we, we need to get our mentality changed from earthly things to heavenly things. We need, we need a reversal in what we've been thinking about and what we've been seeing. This world is not our home. So guys, don't be planting your roots too deep. Be ready to take down your tent anytime. Your kingdom come.